prayed and helped us pray. It was absolutely beautiful. Thank you for those prophetic words. It speaks into a few things I'm going to be speaking about tonight. Um, Blair, what language was that song in? Mari. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Absolutely stunning. Thank you for doing that. Um, yeah, I found that really powerful in general. But just having us as a body operate as a body is exactly what I'm talking about tonight because this isn't something that me or Alice or Brandon or anyone else delivers to the church. This is something we do together corporately as one. And so here is our passage tonight. It will come up on the screen. But do you, can you just pull it up on your phones just because we'll go through it as I speak. It's 1 Corinthians 12. And it's about unity and diversity in the body. From verse 12 in that chapter. So it's chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians and it's from verse 12. So it's 12, sorry Tom, I've given you the wrong verse there, clearly. So it says this, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it, not, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So keep that passage open on your phones. Can you see how that fits with the prophetic words we just had? It's uncanny, and God often does that. So he's saying something to us tonight as a church. And I think in a nutshell, what he's saying is in order for us to be the fullness of the, of the body of Christ, which is what we're called to be, we all need to participate in the work of the kingdom. We'll come back to that in a second. But the vision of St. Peter's, the vision of all churches, really, is to play its part, to play our part in bringing heaven to the area where we are. So we say that our vision is to play our part in bringing heaven to southeast London. Now, heaven isn't a dodgy nightclub with sticky floors and wall, uh, floor-to-ceiling mirrors. It's not cherubs flying around in the sky firing love arrows at other people. Heaven is nothing short than the fullness of the presence and of the power and of the love and of the joy of God himself. 
manifest on earth, realized on earth so that we experience it. And here's the most bizarre thing about the narrative of the Bible as you read it. You see that heaven's there in the Garden of Eden, the fullness of the presence of God with humanity right there. It's broken because humanity decide to do things in their own strength. They turn their back on God and want to do things on their own. And so therefore the presence of God is ripped away from humanity. And then you see in the Old Testament, it's this story of God trying to help humanity to come back to him again and again and again and again and again and again. They fail. They cannot do that in their own strength. And then Jesus comes and he shows us what it's like to be fully human but fully divine at the same time, which is exactly as we were created to be here, every single one of us in this room. But instead of saying to us, you need to do better and try harder and be more like me, instead of doing that, he realizes our weakness and our inability to do that, our lack of power to do that, and he dies on the cross and he takes upon himself all of the stuff that prevents us from being fully human and fully divine and he destroys the power of it once and for all in his sacrifice. He washes us clean by the blood that he pours out and then he raises us back to life in his spirit and he fills us with the very presence and power. Not because of anything that we do, but because of what he has done on the cross. So here's the strange thing about the narrative of the Bible, is that every single one of us in this room is called to bring heaven to earth. It's not something that God's going to do apart from us. There is the second coming. Jesus will return, and then it's going to happen. But in the meantime, the story isn't end. It's not at its end yet. And so throughout the whole Testament, you realize that as a body, the church, we are, as Paul puts it in Ephesians, the fullness of God that fills everything in every way. And here's what I want to say this morning. That cannot happen unless we all participate. There will be parts of the body of God that will not be represented unless every single one of us in this room participates in that calling to bring heaven, the power and the presence of God on earth and around us, in our workplaces, in our streets, with our colleagues, with our friends, with our family. And the way that we um, kind of talk about the, the culture that we're trying to create here at St. Peter's, so as to play our part, so as to start to see that in Southeast London, we stick by a bunch of values here at church. The first is that we are trying to create a culture here that feels like family. Now, I don't know what your experience is of family. It might be positive, it might be negative, but the experience of family that we want to create here at St. Peter's is a family where we can be fully known, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And because we'll be fully known in the good, the bad, and the ugly, we also want to create a culture of family where we're unconditionally loved, that when the stuff comes up and people notice things in us that aren't right, instead of judging us, instead of casting us out and deciding not to be in relationship with us anymore, they move towards us like Jesus in unconditional love. And it's because of the unconditional love and the culture that we're going to create here in that, that we will then start to become the people we're created to be fully inherit the power and the presence of God, invite the Holy Spirit, take in the Holy Spirit and become the people that God intends us to be. So we're going to do it through family. We're going to do it by being empowered by the Holy Spirit. We talk about being led, filled and empowered by the Spirit. That means that we're not, we've not got a strategy for trying to make this happen. We're not following A, B, C, D, E, F, G so as to see heaven come in southeast London. The way that we're going to do it is we're going to be attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's exactly what we've just done in the time of sharing prophecy there. And then we're going to step out in obedience and follow him as a result. And we do that individually and we do it corporately as a church. But we're also going to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the only way that we are going to 
to bring heaven on earth is not by taking ourselves to different places, but it's by being so full with the presence and the power of God that we leak when we go to other places. In the Bible, it's called contagious holiness. There's a beautiful theme of contagious holiness throughout the whole of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And you see that when people come into contact with the presence of God, everything that is not like heaven, everything that is wrong in the world gets turned on its head and instead is healed and made whole again. And we can only do that by being filled with the Holy Spirit, but also empowered by the Holy Spirit. That God gives us gifts and God gives us the fruits of his Holy Spirit so that we can be the people we're created to be. So we're going to do it through family. We're going to do it by being empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're also going to do it by making Jesus known. Because we are not trying to create a community center here. We're not trying to create a nice place for people to come and be warm and fuzzy. Instead, everything that we do is an opportunity to tell other people about the love of Jesus and the power of Jesus and the fullness of life that they can find in relationship with him. Next week, we're having baptisms. Emma's going to get baptized. I read her testimony before the service. It's very, very powerful. It's fun. If you have any friends who you've kind of invited to church before and they didn't hit you in the face or turn their back or defriend you on every single social media platform possible, then invite them next week because they might be up for coming. Get them along and they'll hear a testimony of making Jesus' name, the fact that we only are able to do this and become the people we're created to be because of the person of Jesus. And we find our purpose and our fullness and our passion and our direction and everything that we need in the person of Jesus as we make him known. The other way we're going to do it is we want to become what we call Christians that live out our faith every day, not um, in an event. So not just on Sundays, but Monday to Saturday, that really Sunday should be the place where we come and share stories of what God has been doing in and through us Monday to Saturday. And then finally, we talk about being ambitiously local. Ambition is a bit of a dirty word in church circles, but by ambitiously local, what we really mean is we want to see many, many people in this local area come to know the person of Jesus, also be empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit, become the people they're created to be, and join in this vision to see heaven come in Southeast London. So what that really looks like is loads of churches, just like St. Peter's, across the whole of southeast London that are on fire with the presence of Jesus and bringing his kingdom, bringing heaven everywhere that they go. And so the point this morning, as I said, is this is not going to be possible. I will endeavor, Hanala and I, my wife and I, we, we have said that we're going to be here for a long time. We feel called to be in this church for 20 years. People say you should never say that kind of thing because you get called on to something else, but I'm saying it, I don't care. We are here for the long haul. And for the next 20, 30 years, however long we are here, we are going to do everything we can to follow the Holy Spirit, to be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, to see this happen in Southeast London. But here's the real truth. We are not going to get that done on our own. The only way that the fullness of heaven is going to come in southeast London is if every single one of us in this room is involved, including the people who have yet to come to know Jesus. They need to be involved, including the morning service. They need to be involved. Church is not a spectator sport. It's not something that we pay others to do unto us. It's something that we are as the body of Christ. So just before we look at the passage, what's stopping us taking part? Some of you are like, I am taking part. That's fine. That's great. We'll talk about that too. But for those of us that aren't necessarily taking part, what is stopping us taking part? Let me have a stab at a few ideas. Let me just take responsibly first for church and church leadership and the way we set up church in this country and many different ways of doing church. But one of the issues that we noticed going into COVID was that once we couldn't meet on Sunday anymore, we realized that the whole of our church expression 
question, particularly in our area, our kind of stream in church in this country, was set up simply to do everything that we needed to do through an hour and a half service on Sunday. And I think God probably looked down during COVID at that and just thought, idiots, absolute idiots. What were you thinking? How did you get from the story of the New Testament, from the way the early church lived out their faith, from the model of Jesus on earth, how did you get an hour and a half on Sunday of singing songs and then hearing from the Bible and the talk and then praying for each other? It didn't make any sense. So once we couldn't do it, we realized that as church leaders, we'd failed our congregations, to put it mildly, that we hadn't followed actually the example in the Bible, which is of discipleship. It's of helping people be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do the stuff that Jesus did and help one another do the same, not something that's done unto other people, but one another do the same Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. On Sunday, we can come together. That's like a Craig David song. On Sunday, we can come together and we can celebrate everything that's done. We won't be doing anything Craig David did in the week. We will be doing other things. Um, so some of it's our responsibility. It's our fault, isn't it? We haven't set things up. So if out of COVID, we needed to change, didn't we? And I, I hope what you'll start to see over the coming months is that this church is going to change. We are no longer going to focus about our Sunday services. We're going to have them. They're really fun. I love them. I love doing this. I love worshiping. I love hearing from the Bible. I love praying for each other. But that is not going to be the way that we're going to get this done in Southeast London. We have to have another way. And the way is through discipleship committed following followers trusting Jesus and helping each other do the same um, but there's also a part that we play that we have to take responsibility for as members of the body some people um, just feel overwhelmed by the idea of being involved coming to church is overwhelming in and of itself the idea that we would then take what we talk about here and then live it out Monday to Saturday seems exhausting because we kind of limp into church on Sunday, don't we? Absolutely done in. And we just need God to come and meet with us and fill us again so that we have energy to be, even to be able to go to work on the Monday after. Some of us are far too busy between life and work and family and friends and socializing and our career path and all the other things that are going on, it's very hard to squeeze in the God stuff in the week. So we'll just tick the box on Sunday and get it done for an hour and a half when we turn up. Some of us don't feel good enough. We think that we don't have anything to offer. Participating in the body is something for the proper Christians, the ones that pray all the time, the ones that know their Bible, the ones that do all of the right things. Some of us find it too exposing. They think if I'm really going to get involved in church, people are going to see me for who I really am. And I'm going to be rejected. And that nobody is going to love me and will be found out. Now, Here's the thing, there are some legitimate reasons for not getting involved in serving, in being a part of the body. One, I think, is if you, are, you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian and you're just checking out this whole Jesus thing, church thing, you're seeing what you think. You come completely on your own terms. You do not have to get involved whatsoever. You can come, you can reserve, you can ask questions, you can do whatever you want. You do not need to be involved. Another good reason not to get involved, particularly straight away, and particularly as this is a bit of a new service as well. I keep calling it new. It's not new anymore, but we'll keep calling it new until we stop calling it new. Um, is that you've been burnt out, burnt out because of previous experience of church that you threw yourself in and actually you've come into this church and you feel totally done in. I think that's a good reason just to receive for a while, just to receive the Holy Spirit and you'll know when you're ready. But I think all of the other reasons, being overwhelmed, being too busy, not feeling good enough, 
being exposed if we get involved. I think all of those things are not legitimate enough to stop us from being involved. I think they are things that we need to go to Jesus and with his help, with the power of his Holy Spirit, overcome so that we can be the body. So why and how do we overcome those things? Let's look at this passage. The first thing to notice in this passage is that without you involved in our church, we're always going to be incomplete. It says this, verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Two things to notice out of that couple of verses that he's talking about. First thing to notice is we are all different. Every single one of us here is different. We've come from different, with different colors, different race, different class, different upbringing, different culture, different skills, different personalities, different interests. Every one of us in this room is unique and different. And as Paul is saying in that passage, we are all a part of the body, and so therefore what we bring to the body is different. We play a different role. If everybody did one thing, if we were all an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If we were all an ear, where would the sense of smell be? We have been put together as totally different, unique individuals so that we can fully express the body of Christ. So therefore, we are different. We're different for a reason. But second thing to notice is there, not only are we all different, but we are also all the same. Because every single one of us in this room is made in the image and likeness of God. And that's a substantive thing. That's not just we look a little bit like God, God forbid. It's that we carry his power and his presence in our very being. It's that there is a God-shaped hole in us that unless it is filled with the Holy Spirit, we will not be the people we have been created to be. And this means if we are all different, but also we are made in the image and likeness of God, without all of us involved, the fullness of the presence of God, as Paul says in Ephesians 1, cannot fill everything in every way. Because there will be parts of God that aren't represented. So therefore, in order to be able to do it, we all have to be involved. We're different for a reason. And without our contribution, the church will suffer so what's stopping us being involved? Well, I think he mentions a couple of key things here that would be worth taking note of as we try and apply this idea. Yes, we come in our difference, different race, different colors, different cultures, different personalities. Everything is different, but we are also, also exactly the same. We're made in the image, and so therefore to represent the image of God, we all need to be involved. First thing I think is stopping us is a lie that is sold to us from the enemy that says this, you are not because I am not, Paul says it here in verse 15 and 16. Because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body. What's he talking about there? He's talking about comparison. He's talking about the ridiculous idea that in order to belong to the church, to the body, we need to be the same as each other little cookie-cutter Christians that talk the same and look the same and think the same and do the same. Because I am not like that person, I can't possibly belong to the body. And the thing to notice there, as Paul points out, is that is a complete lie, an absolute lie. 
in order to be able to live out the body of Christ on earth, to bring the fullness of the presence of God on earth, we need to kill comparison. And we all know what comparison is because we look at it day in, day out on our phones. And so when we have this kind of lie rise up inside of us that says, because you are not, you don't belong, we need to go to God and we, can, we need to say to God, listen, I'm tempted to believe the lie that I am not, so therefore I don't belong and I don't bring myself into the body of Christ. So Lord, would you please tell me the truth of who I am? rather than who I'm not. And guess what? It'll be totally different from who I am. It'll be totally different from who Alice is. It'll be totally different from each other because we represent the entirety of God in his image and likeness as the church, both globally, nationally, and locally. Second thing we need to kill is in verse 21. It says this, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. What's he saying there? Here's the second thing that kills us from being different, but also participating as the uh, made in the image and likeness of God. And it's pride. So instead of because I am not, it's us saying because you are not. I don't need you. We don't need you. And again, that's a total lie. We are all interdependent on each other so that we can express the fullness of Christ in the earth. So what's the solution? The solution is in verse 18. And Paul says this, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So the solution, how we kill comparison, how we kill pride, how we recognize the fact that we're all different, but that we're one as the body of Christ made in the image and the likeness of God is that we begin to live out the truth that in our uniqueness, we are here for a purpose. That you are here for a purpose. I'm here for a purpose. And as we live out that calling, live out that purpose, we start to operate as a body. It's about being ourself. It's about being the people that God created us to be, not being like each other so that we all act and think and look the same. So we need to kill comparison. We need to kill pride. This is easier said than done, isn't it? It's all very well saying, well, let's just be, let's be confident in how different we are and let's belong to the body and be ourselves and bring our own gifts. Let's kill comparison, even though the whole of the world is driven by comparison and fear. Let's kill arrogance and pride, even though the whole of the world is driven by arrogance and pride. And let's just be the church. Try, try a little bit harder, would you? Can you just try a bit harder? Easier said than done. That's why Paul starts with the paragraph right at the front of our passage. And he says this. He says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. And here's the important bit. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. What's he saying here? He's saying the only reason that you belong to the body of Christ is because of Jesus. And it's through our baptism that we realize that it's not what we can do or who we are that qualifies us. It's not what we can't do or who we're not that qualifies us. The only thing that qualifies us as being made in the image and likeness of God, as being a part of the body of Christ, is what Jesus has done in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection from the grave. 
We don't qualify ourselves. Paul puts it like this in Ephesians. I'm going to read it because I think it's beautiful and it relates to what we're saying. Ephesians 2 says this, For it is by grace. Grace is a gift. A gift is received. It's not something you work for or you pay for. For it's by grace that you have been saved, that you've been made whole, that you have experienced the forgiveness of sins poured out by Jesus on the cross so that we can become who we're created to be. Through faith, that's believing in Jesus. And this is not from yourselves. It's not something we work up ourselves, we try really hard to do. This puts Christianity in a totally different realm than any other religion, by the way. Because it's about grace. It's about what Jesus has done, not what we can do. It's not from ourselves. It is the gift of God. We don't pay for it. Not by works so that no one can boast. So no one can say, I don't need you because I'm this. Or nobody can have insecurity and fear and comparison. Because I am not like them, I don't belong. It's got nothing to do with it. What qualifies you is Jesus Christ. So that no one can boast. For we, together as a whole, are God's handiwork. It's that a beautiful phrase? We're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There is a calling on every single one of your lives to live out God's purpose. And it will be a different calling. But in and through all of it, you'll be carrying the power and the presence of God. And you'll see the kingdom of heaven come as you live it out. For we're God's handiwork. So the illustration that Paul gives there in 1 Corinthians is baptism. He says, How, what qualifies us? What enables us to be a part of this body? And he talks about we're all baptized by one spirit. What happens in baptism? Well, you'll find out next week because we'll do it. But when you go down under the water, you die to your old life without Christ at the center. So it's literally like dying to sin. It's dying to a life lived without God at the center. That's all sin is, by the way. It's living our lives void of faith, void of a relationship with God and being in relationship with him. And then you come up out of the water and you're cleansed. So the water cleanses us as we come up out of the water. It's like we get washed clean. All of the effects that are ugly, all of the things that we have done in our own strength that's caused this sin and this awfulness around us gets washed clean as we come up and we're a new creation. When God sees us, he sees the perfection of his son because of what Jesus has done on the cross. But then we also, baptism represents that we get to participate in resurrection. That we can then, by the power of the Holy Spirit, become the people we're created to be, to live out the resurrected life of Jesus on earth. It's a beautiful illustration of what it means to be the body of Christ. Nothing that we've done, nothing that we haven't done, just what Jesus has done. And as we're baptized, we die to our old selves. We're cleansed and we come up in our resurrected bodies and we have a new purpose. Resurrected, but still unique. You don't suddenly become the same race or the same color or the same culture or have the same interests or have the same personalities. Those things, God created you, those in you so that you represent him. But you come up and those things become glorified as you bring them into the world and fill everything in every way with his presence. What does this look like in the body? How do we apply this? Practically, just think practically as a church here. How do we make this happen? Paul is beautifully practical in this passage. He talks about um, these two different things. Let me just read it before I talk about it. Verse 23. This is what it looks like to be baptized in one spirit, for the baptism, for our faith in Jesus to be what unites us as the body. It says that the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. 
and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Can you see how that totally undermines comparison? Can you see how that totally undermines pride and arrogance? It's the upside kingdom, upside down kingdom of Jesus, totally different from any other context in the world. Those things that in the world's eyes, you can just do away with the people who don't matter anymore. They suddenly have a place of honor in the church, that they're lifted up and treated with special honor. Those people who are in the world are unpresentable, who everybody else just walks by and ignores. Instead, they become the most important people in our body. What is that? That is living out what it means to be baptized in the spirit of Jesus. Because it's not us that qualifies ourselves, it's what Jesus has done. And so they, they therefore become the perfect representation of what it means to be the body of Christ. Because it illustrates to the world what grace is all about. And everything that he's done on the cross. So final bit, what, how do we do this? How do we live out his body? Without every single one of you involved, our church is incomplete. We belong to this church, to the body of Christ, because of Jesus, nothing else. We don't qualify ourselves. Other people aren't qualified. We qu- we're qualified simply by him. How do we live it out? Well, the key here is in verse 13, where Paul says, Not only were we all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. He then says, we were all given the one spirit to drink. When you have a drink in front of you and you're thirsty, you don't just take a sip and then leave it on the side. If we were to go throughout our whole day without drinking multiple times, we'll get to the end and we'll be thirsty. So often we try and do what we're told to do in this book, but we try and do it without the Holy Spirit. And what Paul is saying there is that the spirit is something that we continually drink so as to be able to be the body of Christ. Because without it, we're just doing it in our own strength. And we end up in some of those categories that I talked about at the beginning, we're burnt out. We become despondent. We find it hard to get involved. We feel like we don't belong. We don't feel good enough. And it's because we're not drinking of the Holy Spirit again and again. Because when you drink of the Holy Spirit, amazing things start to happen. For example, you will notice some of the fruits of the Spirit start to grow in your life. And we are never going to be able to be different but the same because we're made in the image and likeness of Christ without the fruits of the Holy Spirit. What are the fruits of the Holy Spirit? It's love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control, others I've forgotten. The point is they are deeply practical things that we need in our life so as to be one body. Imagine trying to do this without love for each other. Imagine trying to do this without patience. Imagine just trying to do our our families without patience, let alone a room of 80 people without patience. We need the fruit of the Holy Spirit growing us. But not only does it give us the fruits of the Holy Spirit, but we get the gifts of the Spirit too, which is where Paul starts in this passage. He talks about some of the supernatural gifts that we receive through the Spirit so as to be his power and his presence in the earth. So there is no way of doing any of this, what we're talking about, the vision of St. Peter's, bringing heaven to southeast London, any of the church vision of on earth as in heaven as Jesus tells us to pray, there is no way of doing any of it without the power of the Holy Spirit. And in order to be able to live in and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to drink of it continually. There's loads of great metaphors for the Spirit in the Bible. One of them is water. It's like water. Without it, we thirst. In fact, we, we're dehydrated. We're not able to operate. Another one is breath. 
Because the Holy Spirit is the same to us spiritually as oxygen is to us physically. We won't survive very long. We'll suffocate and we'll die. The only way to do it is to drink of the Spirit. Watch the fruits of the Spirit grow. Watch the supernatural grace start to be poured out among us as we become who we're created to be. And this is what we do when we meet together, right? But you don't have to just do this on Sunday. The space that we leave for the Spirit, you can do that in your own time. It's mind-blowing. It's almost like God's Spirit isn't in this building. I mean, he is, but he's also elsewhere. In fact, he lives in you. And it's not that God has gone further from you. It's just that we remove ourselves from him. We distance ourselves. We do it all the time. We're busy. We're thinking about other things. We're, we're just distracting ourselves. And all we do is when we sit down and we, we find a moment of silence and we find some time on our own and we say, God, will you help, us, help me to become more aware of your presence right now? Every time, I promise you, because it's the promise that Jesus gives us, how much more will God the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Jesus says, come to me, all who are thirsty. We don't stop long enough to know we're thirsty sometimes. But when we stop, we realize how dehydrated we are. And here's the promise of Jesus. Come to me, all who are thirsty, and I will give you living water. The Holy Spirit. We then become springs of living water for other people. Please, let's never try and do this without the Spirit. Just finally then, practically, how can we get involved at church? So if we want to be a church that fills everything in every way, so filling Southeast London with the presence and the power of God, how can we do that here? How can we get involved? Can I just be brutally, deeply practical? The first thing you can do is you can sign up for foundations. Now, it feels like we've got, um, it's like we're sponsored by foundations at the moment. That's all we ever talk about. But let me tell you the reason why we want so many people to sign up to foundations. It's because we want to um, help us to connect in smaller groups. Because the, the truth is, the morning's exactly the same. This is far too large a group. There is no way that we are able to be a family as a group. I'm not going to fully know any of you, but there's too many of you. I'm also not going to be able to show unconditional love for you. I'm also not going to be able to help you become who you're created to be because there's too many of us and because it's too busy and you have one conversation and then you're interrupted and then another conversation and it's just chaos on Sunday. It's fun, but it's chaos. So we need to be a part of something smaller so that we can operate more like a family, so that we can start to encourage each other to walk out our calling and be the people we're created to be. And so we're doing foundations to try and kickstart that process. So you can go on the website, you sign up with your name, and you just put your postcode where you live in um, the little box when it asks for it. And then when you come to foundations, you're going to be sat with a bunch of people who live where you live. Because even though we're all from southeast London, southeast London's fairly large, isn't it? Lots of people here. So you'll be able to meet together in a group of other people from your area. And over the six, five weeks, six weeks, we're going to do just foundational things about our faith. First, we're going to do divinity of Jesus. Who do you think Jesus is? Is Jesus God or is he not God? Because if he is God, it has profound impact on how we live our life. And then we're going to have a meal together in those groups. We're going to have a short talk on the person of Jesus. And then we're going to discuss in our groups who we think Jesus is and what impact that has on our life. Second week, we're going to look at the power of the resurrection, the evidence for the resurrection. And then we're going to discuss it in our small groups. Third week, we're going to look at what, how the cross, what Jesus did on the cross changes us and our lives and what that looks like. And you're going to discuss it with people. And over the six weeks, you're really going to get to know that group. And then the idea is when that ends, there's going to be group leaders in your group who are going to carry this on. 
and we're going to call them villages, which is what we had before. But the idea is that you are a village as a group of people that live in your area who can actually start to operate like a family. And then we have a chance of seeing the fullness of God filling everything in every way in all these different pockets in these villages in southeast London, rather than just thinking we're going to get it done by coming together in a big group. So please sign up for villages. I promise you, you'll have fun. I promise you won't be coerced into doing anything. We won't make you join your village. If you decide everybody living near you is an absolute nightmare, you can join a different village. It doesn't matter. Just don't tell them because it's offensive. Although you could take this teaching in 1 Corinthians 12 and say maybe it's brilliant that everyone Everybody's a nightmare because you can test out some of the fruits of the Spirit that will grow in your life. Anyway, don't worry about that. Second thing we'd love to do is, uh, you haven't got it, but if you, oh, you have. Alice, can you hand these out for me? I've got some little slips here. So you remember the bit where I said it's not about church on Sunday? Um, it is a little bit about church on Sunday because in order for us all to participate in the body, we need to do this together because if we don't do this together, we're just going to have to keep employing staff because we're growing as a church. And you don't want to do that because you have to give more money and then we just have more staff. And you don't want to do that for me because me managing staff is a bad idea on every level. Nobody should let me manage anyone. So please don't do that. Instead, what's better than getting more staff is simply us operating as a body and doing this together. So there are things of Sunday that we need to fill in order to be able to just serve each other on Sundays, particularly in the evening service. So the morning's been going a bit longer. There's more volunteers there. But in the evening, we need somebody who's going to run the, the coffee and tea as people come in. Tom desperately needs people who can do lyrics at the back. Honestly, easiest thing in the world, doing the lyrics. Like, it doesn't mean if you, if you hit them late, it doesn't matter. Nobody dies. It's absolutely fine. Just stick the lyrics and you just click through them as you go. You don't need to know the songs. You can just do the lyrics. We need people who know how to operate sound. You have to be a little bit of skill for that. But please, we, we need to start filling these things in this evening service. Otherwise, we're just going to have to, I don't know, pay people or just not do them. Um, so there's some things on there. There's also midweek stuff that we need volunteers for. It's all on this sheet of paper. But in everything that we do, we follow the Spirit, okay? So you don't do this out of obligation. There's some of you here, not very many, there's some of you here who are on multiple teams. I would suggest you don't tick any boxes. You're doing too much anyway. In fact, what I want to say to you is don't collapse your life into church because it won't end well for you. The whole point is not to collapse your life into church. The whole point is to take the power, I don't know why I'm standing up here. I'm excited. The whole point is to take the power and the presence of God out into your communities, into your workplaces, into your families, into your streets. If you collapse everything into church, you'll get to Monday and you'll, be, you'll feel like you've done a week's work on Sunday. And that's not going to work, is it? It's not good for anyone. It's not good for you. It's not good for the world. It's not good for us as a church. However, there are others here who are not on any teams. This is for you. All right? So that's not to guilt any of us, but it is to say that we need your help. So we're going to spend some time waiting on the Holy Spirit. As you wait on the Holy Spirit, why don't you look at that list and ask God which bit you're going to get involved in. Yeah. You can do it online. Do any of you carry pens? Does anyone carry pens anymore? You got a pen. You got a pen. You got a pen. Anyone else got a pen? All right. Well, if you don't have a pen, you can go online and fill it out. Um, let's just fill all the annoying things with this service that need filling. And then we can do the fun stuff, like being a village, and then start to resource new ministries, what the Spirit's asking us to do. So let's just shut our eyes so we're not distracted. We have to be led by the Spirit in this. So Holy Spirit, I pray that as we wait in silence now that you would speak to us about how we can serve this body, this church.